0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? It's Monday. Let's go. Yeah, we got uh, new equipment building out the studio. So, um, listen, before I jump into this, I had an interesting... story for you that i think will explain a lot of what's going on right now ladies and gentlemen we are in uh as i said last week very dangerous times joe and i were talking before the show we actually got started a little late today because uh i don't, I, I don't have any good news for you the left is yeah. losing their minds calls to violence are now not only um, not shunned they are now accepted and welcomed um we're now in uh in mob status maxine waters we've got some cuts from from crazy maxine now calling for mobs um to confront people aggressively uh confront members of the trump cabinet um i don't see this getting any better no now i'm worried and uh, i'm worried because i human limitations and human controls on their behavior only go so far you know i said on the tucker carlson show on friday night and this morning on fox and friends that i have a lot of faith in conservatives um because i know you have an emergency break on your behavior and that emergency break is your belief in a higher power that this Mm -hmm. is this is just the test run for the afterlife and in 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 heaven whatever your your uh, religion may be. You believe in the afterlife and, and the power of, of, of self-control and of living to a higher moral standard on this planet. I believe I believe that. I, I have to stay committed to that or all is lost. We are, though, human beings, and I'm not sure what that flashpoint is going to be. God forbid it happens. But with people like Maxine Waters now openly encouraging mob aggression and confrontation, um, I don't know when it's going to happen. All right, I'm going to get to that in a second. Let me get the show started because something happened to me last night that I swear happened for a reason, and uh, I think it'll interest you. All right. Today's show uh, brought to you by our buddies at RX. You know how much I love our sponsors, and I only work with companies I believe in and products that I, I use, and this one really helped me out. Uh, this is a valuable product for me, and I know it'll be for you, too. Listen, it's not the sexiest products to talk about, Wax RX, but as I've told you before, I had a deal with earwax buildup when I was a secret service agent. It was a problem. The real problem, you stick that IFB thing in your ear, that your earpiece, and then eventually you wind up getting clogged up ears after a while, and it's tough to um tough to get that stuff out. This story I'm about to share illustrates how the right product can change your life. This is from a listener's nephew had his life changed by Wax RX. My nephew Brandon dreamed of becoming an EMT and entered training. However, he quickly discovered he couldn't hear through his stethoscope. <laughs> Bad news. Without being able to hear the patient's breathing or heartbeats, he simply wasn't going to successfully complete his EMT training. I recommended that he try WaxRX, and he used it to clean his ears. Amazingly, he removed a large blockage of wax from both sides. Instantly, he could hear everything, including through his stethoscope. With his hearing restored, he finished his training and is now an EMT. Good job, Brandon. Right now, you can go. Uh, you can try WaxRX, the WaxRX system, by typing in gowaxrx.com. That's GoWaxRx.com. GoWaxRx.com. Use offer code DAN at checkout for free shipping. That's nice. Don't wait. You have no idea what you might be missing because of inner ear wax. Who knows? It might just change your life. GoWaxRx.com. Offer code DAN. Go check that out. You'll love it. great product. Okay. So um, last night, now just to be clear what I'm talking about, I'm talking about how we have emergency breaks in our behavior and the radical left doesn't. Right. Our emergency break is... M- The conservative movement is is largely composed of people who believe in God, big R rights. And that emergency break is we don't want... We don't want to be judged by a higher power for taking negative action against someone else. You know, there's nothing wrong, obviously, with self-defense, but we would never engage in proactive violence because we don't believe in it. It's not because our political ideology says it, it's because our faith tells us not to do that. And I believe in that. Having said that, nobody's going to be dumb enough to let someone attack them, them, either themselves or their kids. Joe, there is a natural instinct for human beings, obviously, to defend themselves and to defend their kids. Now, last night. Yeah, I haven't told Joe this yet, but I had something really kind of spooky happen. Right. So, and it relates to this. Uh, it's about I get up on Monday mornings early to do Fox and Friends and to prepare this show for you. Really, for me, very early because I get I have late nights and you know whatever. Wow, I'm not. Good. It's, I love my job. I'm just telling you, trying to put this in perspective. Mm-hmm. So I don't get a lot of sleep on Mondays. At about two twenty-seven in the morning, I know the exact time because after it happened, I looked at my phone and was like, "What just happened?" I wake up, Joe, to a blood-curdling scream from my six-year-old. She sprints—you know that pitter-patter of Mm feet—sprints into my room, and I hear a scream. Like, and I, Joe, you're a dad. You that there's—I'll never forget this as long as I live. The fact that it happened last Mm -hmm. night, I instantaneously went into like—you ever watch Wolverine, like the X-Men movies? Ching, the claws come out right. I'm instantly in like I'm gonna have to kill someone mode because I thought someone was chasing my daughter in my house mm-hmm. the way I have a I have a one-story house but the way it's set up is it's one story but it's flat and wide so my kid when she sprints it's like it's a quite a sprint yeah. you can hear it for a while I swear I thought Joe that somebody was chasing my daughter so I I, I get up and the claws like I swear I went Logan style and I'm ready to go. Like the first thing that occurred to me is the way the way our bed is set up is my wife. If there's a door kind of like off to my right and the way my daughter came sprinting in, she reached my wife because she sleeps on my right side. You know, everybody's got to You know how it is. <laughs> Husband and it's always a side. She yeah. said we don't adjust sides. Right. She's on the right side of me. So my daughter reaches her first, and we have this super soft bed. Mm-hmm. It's like a latex mattress, but it's like ridiculously soft to the point where, like, you can't even get out of the darn thing if you don't roll off the bed. It's it's, it's 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 so the first thing that occurs to me when the claws come out, because I'm ready to go, like I'm ready to kill someone right now, is chasing my daughter. Right. Is I'm not going to be able to get across and over my wife onto the other side because the door is on her side, mm-hmm. and it's a. <sighs> Also, one of my guns is all the way on the other side, too. And it's for reasons I don't want to explain, but it wasn't readily accessible. My wife grabs me. And, you know, there's always that calming, peaceful feeling from your spouse. She, in, in other words, she grabbed me in a way that I knew right away things were okay. And I will. So as it turns out, this it's only all this all happens in seconds, but it feels like it's like 10 minutes. My wife says, no, no, calm down, calm down. Like, don't, like in other words, dial it down. What happened was is my daughter had a bad dream and she came running in. And last night we had put together the, the, uh, the Teeter. We have a new sponsor we'll bring in next week, okay. but it's Teeter. And Teeter had sent me this inversion table, which I love. I'd used one in the Secret Service. Mm-hmm. And I put together the Teeter. This is not an ad, folks. This is a real story. I'm not, like, you know, messing with you. The inversion table's huge. And we had nowhere to put it, so we put it in my bedroom. My daughter, in the dark, must have thought it was like a monster. So as she came running in, she saw it. Folks, it was unbelievable, the scream. I'll never forget it for as long as I live. Here's my point in this. Sooner or later, one of these snowflakes that are not ready for the long game at all, and as I've said to you repeatedly, they are entirely unprepared for unprotected confrontation. They've been involved in protected confrontation their whole lives. They're professors, Hollywood people, the snowflake crowd, law enforcement's protected them. Um, These people have been involved in unprotected confrontation their whole lives. One of them is going to... And God forbid this happens, by the way. Don't mistake this at all for some faux bravado like I'm hoping it... I am hoping it doesn't. But I'm telling you, as a matter of human nature, someone is going to set off the Wolverine reflex show... Oh, yeah. Some snowflake is going to is going to approach the wrong person at the wrong time. Scare the hell out of one of their kids. And the Wolverine reflex is going to come out. And this is going to end very poorly. Mm -hmm. Now, what did we have happen this weekend? We had Pam Bondi, the attorney general of my home state of Florida, confronted by the way. A woman, in case you didn't know. But remember, the left is all about like women's rights, except when they can get up in your face and they're much taller and stronger than you as a guy and they can scream at you. Listen to Pam Bondi's account of what happened. She was on Fox and Friends this morning and she says the guy got up at the movie theater, confronted her on the ticket line, got an inch from my face and was screaming so loudly in her face he was spitting on her. Now, she said, I'm not sure they were spitting on me intentionally, but he was yelling so loud he was spewing spitting all over bondi this is a this is a guy who outweighs her and is is towering over and screaming in her face apparently they confront the man she's with too and someone said to the man hey blue eyes aren't you going to protect her these people are violent animals one of them is going to do that while someone's kids are present and it is going to be an ugly situation the left is entirely unprepared for this folks they have def- they are defined by crazy now. Now, speaking of crazy, in one of the most despicable, disgusting, horrendous, atrocious bullhorn speeches I've ever seen, encouraging mob violence. Mm-hmm. I have two cuts of psychotic Maxine Waters, alleged congresswoman from California, screaming like a deranged lunatic. In a bullhorn, encouraging mob violence. I've got, I broke this down into two. Well, Joe did because he's good like that. Into two cuts. Play cut one. Already, you have members of your cabinet uh, that have been booed out of restaurants. Yeah. Who have protesters taking up at their house. Yeah. Who sang no face, no sleep. No peace, no sleep. And guess what? We're going to win this battle because while you try and quote the Bible, Jeff Sessions and others, you really don't know the Bible. God is on our side. Wow. Really, Maxine? Really? Late-term abortion supporter? God is now a supporter of mob violence, too? Do you believe these maniacs? This woman is nuts. Now, what's disturbing about that, well, what's not disturbing about it? is it probably a better question what's doubly disturbing about that folks is everybody in the crowd like a bunch of stupid seals (laughs) clapping this is great isn't that great clapping as she encourages mob violence it goes on if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant in a department store at a gasoline station you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore anywhere ladies and gentlemen you know i don't i'm not a fan if you're a listener to the show and ever will be of hyperbolic statements right I'm just telling you, and Joe's older than me, maybe he can correct me. I've only been on the planet 43 years. I was a Secret Service agent for 12. I've seen political protests up and close and personal for most of my Secret Service career. I'm only saying that because I'm not going to be lectured by anyone about naivete here. I mean, this is what I did for 12 years. I took protectees who were Democrats and Republicans to rallies where people protest. Thank God, Joe. I am a supporter of the Constitutional Republic, as I said on Fox and Friends this morning, and I repeat on my own show, protest, assemble. Thank God you have the right to do it. I support you fully as long as you don't get violent or attack anybody else. Having said that, because you can do something does not make it right calling for people to confront people in Trump's cabinet, While they're out with their families in movies, while they're sitting there in front of their homes, because you can do that does not make it right. I want to be crystal clear. I am suggesting no government, and never will I, any government involvement at all here. Unlike snowflake liberals who want the government to solve all their problems. This guy won't bake a cake. He won't give me flowers. for Okay, they want the government to bankrupt people. I am not suggesting any government role at all. I'm simply suggesting to you that these people are complete, total hypocrites. They're hypocrites, and they are encouraging violence. There are a multitude of ways for you to petition and protest the government. You can write letters. You can do office visits. You can call your congressman's office. You can meet with your congressman. You can organize a protest outside their office. You can organize a protest in D.C. You can organize a protest at your house, but you think that's the right thing to do is to confront people, throw them out of restaurants like Sarah Sanders was thrown out at the Red Hen this weekend? The Red Hen in Virginia. By the way, this is not going to end well on the business side for them either, because here's what's going to happen. Liberals are not ready for the long game. They're not ready for unprotected confrontation, and they are not ready for the long game. What's going to happen here, Joe, is what happens every time you see one of these ridiculous incidents. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen is this. For a couple of weeks, liberal goofballs will show up with their social justice wars in a restaurant and go, look, we won. We've had a 600% increase in receipts. I'm sure you will. I have no doubt. Point stipulated. I guarantee you as well, a year from now, this place will not see one more dollar from conservatives. This place will lose, I guarantee it, because social justice warriors cannot play the long game. They have, they're busy in mommy's basement playing video games and tweeting all day. Some of them don't have any jobs. This is all they do. They'll eat there one time. The food's probably horrible anyway. They will never go back, but conservatives will be gone forever. This is what happened with Target. With the Target policy, oh, we're going to allow men in the women's room in Target. For a week or two, every social justice warrior in the world, yeah, they showed up to Target, Joe, and probably bought something. Target's stock price and Target's performance went down after that because in the long run, none of us ever went back. And social justice warriors forget because they're not conditioned for the long run. Their entire ideology is about instant gratification, emotions, instant. They're not ready for the long fight. The Red Hen basically what well they washed themselves out. Yeah. Confronting Pam Bondi, these people are the Maxine Waters speech. They are encouraging violence. Now, I heard something this weekend from Charlie Hurt, who's a really bright commentator, he does uh I think he's a Fox News contributor. He's on Fox a lot regardless. Mm-hmm. Charlie Hurt was on I think it was Breitbart Radio on Sirius. I was headed to the gym this weekend. I was listening to him and I actually stayed in the car for a minute because he was making some really terrific points. And one of the points Charlie Hurt brought up, Joe, which was genius, is they were were talking about this unprecedented level of heated political rhetoric and calls for violence and everything like that. And Charlie Hurt said something that made a lot of sense to me, so much so I sent myself an email to remind myself to talk about it. He said that, the problem with dc for years is and i'm quoting everything's been based on a set of ag- agreed upon premises that's a brilliant point i want to take that further i had a i didn't hear the rest of his conversation after a lot of so i'm going to just take this i thought that i sent myself an email and i said that's it Because everybody's looking for a reason as to why, Joe. Why is political rhetoric so hot? Why have the liberals uh, lost their minds completely into open calls for mob aggression, mob confrontation now? Why? What's going on? Why now? And people just say, oh, well, it's Donald Trump. Yeah, but what is it about Trump? And then when Charlie said that, I thought, yes, yes, this is it. This is what's going on right now. The American people through the media Democrat Rhino Republican complex, have a set of agreed upon premises that Donald Trump is now basically taking in a Boston Tea Party type event and throwing it overboard. He's taking these premises like the tea and throwing them into the ocean. And the liberals, the media, the Rhino Republicans, it's all one big complex. They're all the same thing. They all suckle from the uh, from 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 the same uh, calf. Bingo, cow. bingo. They all they are so the cow is now being taken away. The the ideological teas being thrown overboard, and nobody knows how to respond other than violence because they're 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 up. They've been operating on the same to quote Charlie agreed upon premises for so many decades that now that those premises are being challenged. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to respond. Now, I want to clarify this because, I, you know, I don't like to talk in kind of ethereal, otherworldly talk. I like to hammer at home. And here's exactly what I mean. there really There is a uniparty in D.C. That's why there was such a strong, vocal, troubling government response to the Tea Party. The Tea Party was the first effort in a long time, successful effort by the way, based on electoral results and at least a temporary movement in some policy the Tea Party was the first successful effort in a long time to overthrow the Uniparty the Rhinos, the liberals and the media Donald Trump is now a more powerful version of what the Tea Party was. There may, not, there may be some ideological differences there on trade and others. I, I, I get that. I'm not telling you this is, this is not populist and it's strictly conservative. I'm not. I'm telling you it's a challenge to the uniparty. The uniparty premises that would... Now, just to be clear here on what we're saying, and Joe, as the audience ombudsman, your job is to stop me if I'm in any way confusing anyone. Anyway. Hi, sir. The set of agreed-upon premises that have never been challenged... That government's benevolent. It's only the degree of government involvement in our lives we're talking about. That hasn't been challenged in decades since Ronald Reagan. And even under Reagan, folks, to be fair, government grew. I mean, listen, Reagan cut taxes, but government did grow. Mm-hmm. It was an agreed-upon premise. Reagan, you give, you'll give, you get the tax cuts. Tip O'Neill uh, says, you know what, we want spending increases. The agreed-upon premise by the media, that's never to be challenged by anyone. In other words, the media says to the rhinos, we'll leave you alone and let you guys win a few elections, but you have to agree upon this premise. Government is, government is a benevolent, good force in our lives. It's only the degree of government that matters. The Democrats, of course, love that because government's the only force in your life to them, and the media are Democrats, so that's it's the same thing. There's no need to m- me repeat the same thing twice. That premise is never to be challenged. If it was, the media was going to annihilate you. Annihilate you. They would finish you. They would wipe you out. You're a racist, a homophobe, a transophobe, a governmentophobe, a xenophobe, a phoba phobic, the phobic as we always say. That you would you are to be destroyed. Remember that journalist scandal? Mm-hmm. Journalist, it was that email group of so called journalists that were communicating about how to attack Republicans. These were journalists, by the way. Mm-hmm. About how to and one guy says, hey, listen, if all else fails, just call them a racist. This is real. Just look it up. Journalist, list. Journal with an O, not with not with the A. Journalist, look it up and Google that. Just call them a racist. You'll see that's what they said. Mm-hmm. Premise number one, government is a good thing. And only the degree of government involvement matters. We'll let Republicans argue here and there for lesser government, even though they don't mean it. We won't attack them as long as they don't attack the fact that government's a good thing. Second, Tax cuts can be discussed, but only in terms of government revenue and never in terms of the rich guys. In other words, rich guys, people who actually create wealth in the economy, they're never going to get tax cuts. And if you discuss that, you're all for income inequality. You don't believe me? Look what they did to Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney doesn't pay his taxes. Harry Reid just gets on the floor and li- just openly lies about him. Romney should have sued him. I wish he could. He probably would have lost, but... He just openly lied about him. Mitt Romney. Doesn't, I'm not a Romney fan at all, by the way, but you get the point. You cannot challenge that. You will be attacked immediately. The premise is tax cuts will only be discussed in terms of government revenue. We can't cost the government revenue. Why? Why can't we? Why can't we cost the government revenue? Tax cuts will never be discussed for wealthy folks. Oh, like wealthy people. Tax cuts. What are you crazy? Yeah, they're only the ones actually creating jobs out there. You can't challenge that. Even now, I'll bet there are some Republicans listening to this going, oh, Dan, you can't say that. Tax cuts for the wealthy. Why Why not? Why Why can't I say that? If you're a you know, conservative Republican listening to this, you're probably celebrating it. If you're a rhino, you're welcome here, but I don't care what you think at all, not even a little bit. Why can't we say that? Why aren't people who create jobs with money air quotes, allowed to keep more of their money to create jobs. Why, why Why? are we not allowed to talk about that? But the answer is because these have been, as Charlie Hurt said, agreed-upon premises, and he didn't cite these specific things, I'm adding to it, but these are the agreed-upon premises that were never challenged before. There's a ton of I just want to leave you one more. Things like public education. This has to be in that good. Really? Why? Why can't we just give people their own money and let them choose where their kids go to school we can't do that really we already do it at the college level oh but that but that, that that's different yeah it is different it's better yeah we have elite colleges and universities and crappy public schools you're right it is different no no joe public <laughs> education's a must it's a must what it's a must to suck it stinks We've been spending ridiculous amounts of money, and we're one of the worst industrialized countries in the world for education performance. The accepted premise, though, is your, public education. M- money to public. Why? Why public education at all? Trump comes into office, and he, this is the point here. You may say, well, Dan, he hasn't really challenged public e- public education. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is he's not susceptible to the media mob that has, in the past, disincentivized genuine conservatives from challenging these premises. If he's allowed to challenge even one of these, that government's a good thing. Which, clearly, he has, he doesn't care, folks. This guy does not care, Trump. And I mean that as a compliment. He does not give a rat's caboose at all about what the media thinks. You, The, the accepted premise on the media. I'll add another one. In the past, Joe, you know this is as good as anybody. Mm-hmm. As well as anybody, sorry. What was the line about the media? Never take on people who buy ink by the barrel. Ah, right, yes. In other words, if they can write about you, they can do more damage to you. It's asymmetric warfare. No, that's not true. You know why it's not true? I had a uh, this weekend The Naples Daily News wrote a a disgusting hit piece by that by this ridiculous so-called pseudo journalist. This Naples. I'm not even going to say her name and I'm not going to even cite her article because she was so pathetic. She wrote this disgusting hit piece on Ron DeSantis. And it's funny, like in the past you were told, leave it alone, leave it alone. The accepted premise. You don't fight people who buy ink by the barrel. We don't use ink anymore. We don't use ink anymore. Brilliant. Brilliant. We use iPhones and Androids and computers. My Twitter following. Hey, tough guys at the Naples Daily News. I've got a bigger following than your entire staff and your paper. You don't like it? Tough. Ah, yes, fill in the blanks. Too bad. <laughs> Nelson Munch moment. I win, you lose. <laughs> Your ink doesn't matter. I talk to a national audience. You talk to 12 people in Naples. You lose. I win. Donald Trump wins. He wins every time because he does not, he refuses to play this. Don't take on the media. Don't take on the media. His primary campaign issue is screw the media. (laughs) That's right. Donald Trump and his triage of media, of of campaign needs, need number one is tell the media to go take it and stick it that, yes. That's his thing. And it's where his approval's gone up. The media's terrified. Ladies and gentlemen, they're terrified. Because premise number one, I probably should have started with that, is you never attack the media. Rhino-spineless, feather-spined Republicans in the past. I heard a Republican congressman say, I'm not going to say his name, out of respect. Cause he's actually a nice guy, and he wasn't talking about himself. You know who he is, Joe. All right. um, he wasn't talking, he was talking about why other Republicans aren't conservative. Mm-hmm. He said they're afraid of the media. They're afraid of the media. When the media turns on him, everybody backs off. Trump doesn't only not back off. He doubles down. He goes to Twitter and goes, nah, I don't think so, fellas. How about this one? Ping, pow, bing. You remember Joe Pesci, good fellas? Ping, pow, bing. He doesn't care. (laughs) Joe's acting it out back there. Ping, pow, bing. We got to get that. Ron P, get on it, buddy. (laughs) Our buddy Ron, P. he's always the. If you want to send me cuts, send them by. Ron P is just always the quickest. I always so you know though it's from Goodfellas, yeah. Joe Pesci. So what'd you do? Bing pow. Bing. <laughs> this is Charlie. He doesn't care. He's playing by the same mob rules. The media is playing against him, and he's winning. He's got seven hundred billion Twitter. Followers. I don't even. Honest to God, I have no idea how many he has. None. I don't know. I know it's a lot. But the the ink-by-the-barrel days are over. Nobody's reading ink anymore. You have conservatives on Twitter, thought leaders on Twitter, who have three, four, five times the following than these goofy local papers in the past. Don't mess with the Naples Daily News. Don't mess with the Naples These guys are clowns. The Naples Daily News. What do they have, 20 people who read their paper? (laughs) I have no idea what their circulation is. It doesn't matter. It's nothing compared to the combined power. ...of conservatives on Twitter and social media. The reach is reaches geometrically larger. Yeah. Let me tie this back up because I, I I have a lot to get to here. What I'm trying to tell you is the agreed-upon premises, the uniparties agreed-upon... Yes, uh, rhinos, Democrats, and media. It's like a council of idiots. It's like the Justice League of stupid. They all sit around <laughs> a table. The stupid league. The stupid <laughs> Justice League, right? They all sit around the table. Yeah. The rhino class, the liberals, the Democrats, and the media. They're all the same thing. And they we will not challenge government's role in people's lives. We will not challenge the public education system. We will not challenge that immigration is a net good for society. We will not challenge the fact that the rich can't get tax cuts. We will not challenge the fact that the media will be the opal ultimate arbiter of truth that not a, trump trump comes into the justice league like lex freaking luther drops a neutron bomb on it, and goes pow no thanks trump's like the legion of doom for them <laughs> he comes into that remember the legion of doom they had that <laughs> little base in the swamp that's he's that one man legion of doom and he blows it all up ladies and gentlemen Do you understand how that explains the freak out? That explains, they have nothing else. They have nothing else. Regular listeners to the show, you know the track I always talk about. The Democrats move seamlessly from one track to the next to the next, and they fight in all of them at the same time. When they lose politics, in other words, the presidency, the House, state houses, governorships, what do they do, Joe? They go to the courts. They sue when they lose in the courts, which is starting to happen. Now, again, not in believing nowhere close to the scale I'd like to see. We're not even closely moored to the Constitution anymore, but we're having some victories now. We'll see what happens in the Janus case today. When they lose in the courts, they move to the culture. Donald Trump is single-handedly dictating what the cultural conversation is going to be. He is single-handedly combating Hollywood, the entertainment community in general, the the uh, you know the, the singers, actors, sports figures, all these liberals, academics, the media. He has single-handedly given them one big collective no thanks. He's become the Legion of Doom, neutron bomb on the Justice League of Stupid, and they don't know what to do, guys. What are we going to do? We've tried. Politics, no good. We've tried the courts. We're starting to lose there. We've tried the culture. This guy's got a Twitter account that fights back on everything. They have to cover it. So, what's next? When you don't have an emergency break on your behavior, what's next is violence and mob rule. Conservatives can't do this. Conservatives rallied down at that rally down in D.C., hundreds of thousands of people, and left the place cleaner than when they showed up. That's not exactly a mob. Liberals are actively encouraging aggressive confrontation, and a lot of them, not just want outright violence, from Madonna to Peter Fonda, mm-hmm. all of these Hollywood losers. By the way, just go to Twitter. You see these people, that Seth Abramson guy, losing their minds on Twitter, losing their minds. Seth Abramson, now he's not, to be fair, he's not calling for any violence, but read his Twitter account with the Trump-Russia thing. He's like obsessed with this Russia, It's it's almost like... I read it because I, I use his Twitter account as a degree of how how lost the left is. He they really believe this. Trump is a yeah. Russian. Spy. It's insane. It's insane. It's nuts. Folks, I, I don't I don't know what the flashpoint is going to be on this, but, um, you know, as I said, we should all pray collectively that it never comes. You know, you can listen to last week's show. I went into my my uh, conversation with you all about my fear of violence and, you know, people who've been involved in it and the dangers of it. And uh, I think we all need to take that to heart. These pe- But, you know, we're not going to be suckers. Someone is going to confront the wrong person. And that that's going to be a father or a mother. And that kid there with is going to be freaked out just like mine was last night and i'm telling you folks this is not going to end well i cannot encourage these liberals strongly enough to back away from this aggressive confrontational violent rhetoric this is going down a a path you do not want to go down <sighs> man all right i got a lot to get through today uh so let me uh let me move on including an article someone sent to me about tax cuts which i thought was uh Pretty funny how liberals just can never explain themselves away. Mm. All right. Today's show brought to you by buddies at iTarget. iTarget's one of the best systems out there for improving dramatically, by the way, your proficiency with a firearm. If you are a uh, believer, of, of course, in self-defense, the Second Amendment, you're a police officer, you're in law enforcement in general, in the military, uh, or you're a first-time firearm owner that just wants to learn how to use a firearm you've purchased uh, and use it proficiently, God forbid you're involved in a self-defense situation. This is the system to use. What does it let you do? Well, the iTarget, the system by the, the website for the uh, iTarget system is itargetpro.com. That's the letter itargetpro.com. Here's what it is. When I was in uh, law enforcement, one of the things they would uh, tell us to do a lot is to dry fire, practice dry firing Mm -hmm. the weapon, meaning they'd give us our regular firearm. You safely unload it, check it, check it twice, check it three times. You cannot make a mistake with that. You have to make sure it's unloaded, obviously. And you always point the weapon in a safe direction, but they would say dry fire, especially at the range before you even, uh, you know, before you even let rounds go practice 10 or 15 dry fire round. no round in the firearm. You just depress the trigger. Obviously there's gonna be no recoil because there's no round and practice your sight alignment, practice your trigger control, pra- practice your grip, make sure you're not anticipating by pushing the gun down in anticipation of the recoil. Sometimes you put a dime on the end of the gun. Why? Because if you're anticipating you push down, the dime would fall off. Dry fire, make sure that dime doesn't move. This system will take that to the next level. They will send you a laser round. You insert it in a firearm you have now. It requires no modification at all. It's not going to damage your weapon or anything like that. When you dry fire the weapon with the iTarget Pro laser round, it will emit a laser. Now you can see with the target they send you exactly where the round would have gone. You can see what the grouping would have looked like. Obviously, in a dry fire, you have no idea. It's dry. There's no round in the weapon. This is a great system. People send me their targets on like a Monday, and then they send me pictures of their targets on a Friday. They're different shooters by then. Folks, proficiency, safety, responsibility with our firearms. That's the the triad right there. You have to learn how to be proficient. God forbid you're involved in a self-defense scenario. Go check it out, uh, the system. It's called itargetpro.com. That's the letter, itargetpro.com. Use promo code DAN and you'll get 10% off. The reviews on this product are staggeringly good. They love it, my listeners. Go check it out, itargetpro.com, promo code DAN. Okay. Um, really mind-blowing piece in the Wall Street Journal today by Phil Graham. The premise of the piece, again talking about the the theme of today's show, the the, the Trump why Trump is upsetting the apple cart, you mm-hmm. know, obviously heard the first half of the show there. But another reason, Joe, Trump is the first billionaire to appeal to the middle class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, people have been dying to explain this, and there's an interesting study by Cato's John Early. That suggests, and I'm not saying this wrong. Don't send me emails trying to correct me. I'm saying this absolutely right. That what's helping Donald Trump is income equality. This is why I know. It. This is why I love having Joe on the show because I know if he's confused, that you should be too. It. And it's good though. You caught the because eyebrows when I first didn't read <laughs> the headline. I was like, "What the heck? Income equality? We've heard about from the Democrats income inequality. How is income equality helping Donald Trump?" This was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant piece. Brilliant. <laughs> it is. Hat tipped again. Cato's John Early. So Phil Graham covers the piece. The suggestion here is that the election of Donald Trump and the, the, the upsetting of the apple cart in D.C., the support for Donald Trump. Some of it had to do, Joe, I had to take a note on this because it was so brilliantly stated a backlash against income equality among the bottom 60% of herders. You're like, what the heck? Huh. Listen to this theory, right. genius. This guy does this study where for one of the first times, not the only time, but one of the first times he takes in all government transfers and all government taxes to measure someone's net income. In other words, show everything from Section 8 Local benefits, food stamps, earned income tax credits. In other words, everything Joe Armacost gets from the government, Mm -hmm. state, federal, local, versus everything Joe puts out. Now, studies have been done in the past, effective income taxes, effective this tax, that tax, um, effects on spending income. This guy takes as, as best as he can, all of it in. And he says, you know, When you take into account all of it, Medicaid, earned income tax credits, things that are left out of how much money, Joe, you and I or anyone else gets from the government, and you take it all into account Mm -hmm. and you don't divvy it up, you get some fascinating numbers for the bottom 60% of earners. It's broken down into fifths, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%, right? That's how we typically do these. All right. What's fascinating is the bottom 20% of earners, follow me, folks. This will make sense, but this is critical you understand this because it blows up the entire Democrat narrative about what I told you in the beginning. The accepted premise is government's a good thing and everybody accepts it. Don't dare challenge that. We will crush you. The bottom 20%, Joe, they earned... 2.2% Two point two percent of the income makes sense. They're the bottom twenty percent of earners in the United States. All right. They earn two point two percent of the income, but they spent almost thirteen percent, twelve point nine to be precise, according to Cato's study. So they spent, they had spendable income six times higher than what they earned. Hmm. Which makes sense when you take into account all forms of government transfers, not just social, you know, entitlement programs like like uh like, like Snap or things like that. When you take into account right. all of it, okay, all of the transfers Joe from you to someone of a lower income, okay? The bottom. The bottom. They earn two percent, spend thirteen percent. Right. The next twenty percent up. So, you know, the, the not the the poorest among us, but the lower middle income we'd call mm-hmm. it. They earned 7% of income. They spent 14%. So double what they earn. The next, so we'd say middle class, some maybe near upper middle class, earned 12.6% of the income, but spent 15.4%. That was their spendable. Mm-hmm. Their, their, their spendable. Folks, of all spendable income out there, Here's what I'm trying to tell you, and here's the premise of the piece. This is a staggering number, Joe. The bottom 60% from poor to middle, maybe borderline upper middle class. Mm-hmm. Have about the same, spend about the same amount of money when it comes to the percentage of spendable income in the United States. Thirteen huh. percent in the bottom to middle class, 15.4%. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to put you on the spot because this is a tough one, but I know a lot of you are putting two and two together already, and this is when it clicked to me. That is a genius way to put it. Why? Because folks, he puts another number in there that's really going to kick you in the nah. the out of those uh, the bottom 20 percent, the people right above that, the 20 percent above the bottom 20. They work two and a half times as much as the bottom 20%. Yet their percentage of the spendable income is right about the same. The group above that, the 20% above. So you have the bottom 20, the 20% above that. Then you have the 20% above that middle income, maybe a little bit upper middle income in some places. They work four times as much. Ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats have this argument all backwards. They're arguing on the income inequality front, suggesting, Joe, that middle income people spend their entire lives worrying about the earnings of Bill Gates. Let's be honest. Joe and I don't give a rat's caboose about the earnings of Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. Oh, hell no. Hell no. I knew you were going there. We don't care. Joe and I have jobs. J-O-B-S. As Joe Biden would say, a three-letter word. (laughs) J-O-B-S. I got to love Uncle Joe. Three letter word. Five letter word. J O B S. We have jobs. Joe and I don't care. Warren Buffett, good for you. I hope you earned seventy five billion yeah. next year. You may have already earned it. Who cares? The Democrats, the Liberals, and the Rhino Republicans in the establishment class an accepted premise as well, which Donald Trump has entirely overthrown because he has no problem giving people who are wealthy like him tax cuts because he knows it'll create jobs. Right. No problem. He doesn't care. He's like, Yeah, Donald Trump's like he says the other day about the elites in a speech, Oh, we gotta get this for tomorrow. I this is one of my great this is one of the one of my favorite Trumpisms ever. He's like, why do they call themselves elites? I make more than them. My apartment's nicer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Joe, that was heresy three years ago. If any Republican said, oh, my gosh, how out of touch, talking about how rich he is. Trump's like, yeah, being rich is great. We should all be rich. And the Democrats are like, this isn't accepted upon premise. You can't challenge this. And they can't do anything because they buy ink by the barrel, but nobody's reading their ink. They're reading Trump's tweets. They don't know what to do. Now we're like attack him, steal his wallet. Violence is all they got. Aggression, aggressive conversation. He doesn't care. You don't scare him. We are going to write an op-ed about how he's Donald Trump's an elitist, out of touch. Ooh. He turns it right on you. He does the dipsy doo flipperoo. They'll no, flip you. We'll flip you for real. He flips you. He flips you right. He takes the dipsy doo flipperoo. You know the girl you didn't like dating, and then she dumps you, and then you're in love. The flipperoo. <laughs> that. He does the flipperoo. He takes their arguments against him and he flips it on them. What makes these idiots elite? I'm wealthier than they are. And by the way, we're going to give tax cuts to wealthy people too. And we don't care because people create jobs and it's their money. (gasps) They got the argument all wrong. The accepted premise here in this study that is entirely overturned by the research this guy did. The accepted premise in the past by the... The Justice League of stupid, the rhinos, the Dems and the media was that income inequality is a big deal because the middle class can't stand rich people. And therefore, we should all go after rich people because they're the problem. Ladies and gentlemen, that is an accepted, near tautological statement in the swamp. Mm -hmm. This study suggests that Trump is winning because what Trump is doing is saying, no, 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 no. It's not the rich people that are screwing you over. It's a class of people. We well, are yeah, not all. I'm not impugning the uh, character, unlike Democrats, do of us collectively of people. Listen, I grew up poor. I'm simply suggesting to you that he is highlighting the fact that there are a group of people that is not insignificant that don't work as much as people in those other um uh, those other, cat, the middle income and the upper middle income that don't work nearly as much, that have about the same amount of spending capital as you do. Trump has gotten people to uh, highlight and, and focus on that and say, hey, wait, 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 wait. So I'm working four times as much for no additional benefit at all? And you're a capable, able-bodied adult? Wait, that doesn't make sense. Mm. Does it make sense now, Joe, to you? It's starting to, yeah. That the backlash is the fact that if income is equal, not income inequality. This totally turns the accepted mm. premise on its head. That why should I have the same income as someone I work four times as hard as? Trump sensed that. You got it. Now you got now it. Now right? I got it. Yeah, it clicked. That it's not income inequality. Oh, I don't earn what Bill get. That's not what th- nobody cares. What's bothering people is that they're working their butts off and paying other people to work four times less than them. There you go. That's what, That's I was what for. got Trump right. Yeah. That's what Trump sniffed out. There you go. You don't have to take that, but that was an intentional that was Joe intentional. takes all the yes. Yes. Theater of the mind. He, yes, theater of the mind. Trump sniffed that out early and it's driving the media crazy because, gosh, if we as a society start focusing attention back on work, the value of work, and not the fact that there's a big victim class, oh my gosh, the whole liberal media, uh, right. uh, rhino class in the Justice League of Stupid goes out the window. Right, 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 right. It is a brilliant piece. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, unfortunately, again, it's subscription only, um, but it's by Phil Graham. It's in today's Wall Street Journal. You know, what? let me read you the title if you want to Google it. Uh, but I, I, you know, I get a lot of whenever I put subscription only, it, forget it. People go wild. Um, it's how income equality helped Trump is the title by Phil Graham and Robert uh, Eakland Jr. It is a really, really good piece. I strongly, strongly recommend um, you read it. Okay, um, you know before we get to that, I, I have a phenomenal piece at my website by Matt Palumbo, my resident uh, debunker-in-chief about immigration. Mexican, I want to get Mexican immigration, how they treat illegal immigrants. I want to get to that in a second. Um, today's show brought to you by buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. You know I'm a big supporter yeah. of Brickhouse. I use their products religiously every day. I have been now for, what, two years, maybe more. Uh, one of the best products they have out there is Foundation. They have a ton of great stuff between Field of Greens, Dawn to Dusk for Energy. But Foundation was the original, in my opinion, the king of the hill for their supplements. What is it? It's a creatine ATP blend. Creatine is like having an extra gas tank in the gym. It's part of the phosphogens. And it's a complicated explanation on how they work. But know this. It works. Not only does it work, it works incredibly well. Now, what they did is they took creatine and blended it with ATP. So you not only have like an extra gas tank, you have two extra gas tanks in the gym. The mechanics of it are simple. It basically allows you to work harder. It also creates a muscle volumization effect. In other words, it makes your muscles and your physique look more toned just by taking the product. This stuff, it, you don't believe me, do this. I ask every one of my listeners, no one, I've never been let down. Go pick up a bottle, brickhousenutrition.com slash Dan, brickhousenutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. And give it about seven days. Let the product load first. Take a mental snapshot in the mirror of what you look like and then come back seven days later. You're going to be like, wow, that's impressive. This is really, really good stuff. Right? Little Joe loves it. Oh, yeah. I'm t- this is the real deal. My nephew, yeah. I told you, I wanted to drive up. from. I tell the story all the time. i to drive up from Fort Lauderdale. It's like an hour and a half away because I had a couple extra <laughs> bottles of it. It's that good. Go check it out. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickhouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Check out foundation today. Okay. Uh so I have a great piece up at Bongino.com. It'll be at the show notes today. Please read this. This is if you want to just debunk your liberal friends illegal immigration nonsense, that America is this heartless country, this piece is for you. And I asked Matt, who writes for me, I asked him to keep them short because I live a busy life like you, and I'm like, Matt, you gotta keep them to like six hundred words or less. You can read this thing in two, three minutes. But it is good. I think it's the best piece he's ever written. Be in the show notes. Again, please subscribe to my email list. If you don't mind, I'll send these right to you. The title of the piece. How does Mexico treat their illegal immigrants? You know, we've been told, Joe, by the left. I mean, it's almost, again, an accepted premise, right? Mm-hmm. You're sensing the theme. throughout the have to show this is an accepted premise mm-hmm. from the yeah. Justice League of Stupid? That the United States is a uniquely evil country in the world when it comes to illegal immigrants. That we should be chastised. We should be forced to open our borders because, yeah, everyone else is doing it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wrong. Not right. Wrong. So given that we've been told how uniquely awful and evil we are, Joe, Matt did a piece and said, well, how does Mexico treat their illegal immigrants? And Matt, one thing Matt's great at is using actual facts. Here are some facts for you to debate your liberal friends. Asylum requests, Joe. Again, we've been told how awful the United States is. Gosh, we're so evil. We're not letting people in. We suck. You know, we suck. We're terrible. This is really awful. So the United States, we reject 62% of asylum requests, mm-hmm. 62. Like, oh my gosh, that's super high considering if you're accepting the liberal premise, we're evil, 62%, six out of 10 people or their asylum requests are rejected. That must be really awful compared to Mexico. Of course, what do you think Mexico rejects? How about 90 percent? How does that sound to you? Oh, 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 90. Wait, I thought it was up. We're the problem. So uh, we're supposed to take in people who transit Mexico from Central America and people from Mexico as well in unprecedented numbers, while the Mexicans reject 90 percent of asylum requests and we only reject 60. But we're the problem here, right? (laughs) We're the problem. So you can transit a country that's going to kick you out because you have a higher likelihood of having your asylum request rejected. You can transit it to get to the United States where they're more than likely to accept your asylum request. I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just telling you the numbers. So if you're going to bash the United States and you're going to bash the United States as some unique stain on the world, it should at least be done in some context, especially with our southernmost neighbor. So I assume if you have a problem with the United States and their treatment of asylum requests, you have a bigger problem with Mexico. No, no, no. Mexico is good. It's just us that That, are bad. That's liberals, of course. Deportations. Joe, Mexico deports more Central American illegal immigrants than the United States. They deport roughly twice as many. 39,000 versus (laughs) 18,000. Now, again, you may say, well, okay, Central America, they have to transit Mexico, so more will wind up in Mexico into the United States because they'd have to go farther north. Uh, Fine. Fair enough. But still, I'm assuming if you're saying the United States is a unique stain on the world because of deportations, that you should at least be willing to accept the fact that Mexico, when they have the very same opportunity to allow these people a chance to live in Mexico, they don't take it. They deport them at at, at twice the numbers. Mm, mm, mm. Again, ask your liberal friends, that, do you have a problem with Mexico? And just say, I'm not suggesting to you we can't have a debate on the immigration policy here. I'm suggesting that, like anything else, we put that immigration conversation in context of what's happening everywhere else. Yeah. Now, doubling down on that, mm. Jay Johnson this weekend. I have another article in the show notes from IJ Review. Please read it. Jay Johnson, Obama's former DHS secretary, came out this weekend. And there is an effort right now to clean up the narrative. Remember, Joe, it is all about the the narrative. narrative. What is the narrative? The narrative is the series of agreed upon premises, the stories the media tells to get people to believe that what is in fact not true is true. The story out there now is since the election of Donald Trump, the United States is a unique stain on humankind that is doing evil, racist things. And there is no precedent for it in American history. Especially on immigration. Jay Johnson's appearance this weekend with Chris Wallace throws that into the wind. Why? What are they doing? Joe, there is a massive cleanup operation going on right now. Here's the problem. The pictures don't lie. The media told us for weeks that what's happening at the border is a unique problem with Donald Trump. Why? Because they have to get you to believe the narrative. They want the Justice League of Stupid to put forth the narrative that Trump is a unique racist stain on the country, therefore has to be impeached, has to be confronted, even aggressively. In order to get you to believe that Trump is, in fact, a unique stain on American history, they have to get you to believe he's doing things unprecedented, meaning by definition there is no prior precedent. The problem now the media is having after telling us all that and Trump's signing of the executive order, which if you listen to last week's show, I believe was a genius flipperoo, because now, in fact, the media has to say, well, we told you Trump can fix this all on his own. But now people are suing to show that Trump can't fix this all on his own (laughs) because there's a legal Flores decree and uh, someone's going to sue. And if someone sues, the media is going to be forced to explain that it wasn't, in fact, Trump. It was the courts that did this separation decree, not Trump. It was a genius move. Listen to last week's show. I explained that a little more. But now that the photos from the Obama administration of separated children, of children behind cages in the Obama administration, of children wrapped in foil blankets in the Obama administration, now that they are starting to surface in mass. And that the ink buyers don't have enough ink to overcome the power of social media and the conservative fight back brigade that is putting all these images out there on Facebook saying, wait, 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 wait. Your argument now is Trump is some unprecedented evil because there's no precedent for this behavior. Well, what's this? This isn't what about ism. This is like, no, what? What what about this? In other words, I thought your principle is that this is unprecedented. Mm-hmm. If your principle is it, it's unprecedented, and there is a precedent. Obama did it too. That's not what aboutism. That's just you're playing wrong. What about this is 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 a perfectly accurate way to fight back, an appropriate way to fight back against people who try to set a principle that is factually incorrect. So Jay Johnson comes out this week and says to Chris Walls, because Joe, now what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm is they're going to try to put a spin on what happened in the Obama years. They're going to have to admit that what happened in the Obama years, you know, listen, we did it, but we we did it out of a sense of kindness and compassion. Trump is uniquely evil because he's doing it out of malice. In other words, Joe, policy doesn't matter because we had the same policy. It's just that Trump's a really evil guy and he doesn't like immigrants. That's going to be the new narrative. You understand? Mm -hmm. Because they can't keep arguing the narrative that there's no precedent because the pictures are coming out. Here's Jay Johnson this weekend. I freely admit it was controversial. We believe it was necessary at the time. I still believe it is necessary to remain a certain capability for families. We can't have catch and release. In my three years, we deported or returned over a million people. But again, you can listen up. But again, you can deal with this on the border. You can try different things. We did not go so far as to separate families. But unless we deal with the underlying causes that are motivating the people to come here in the first place, we are going to continue to bang our heads against the wall on the issue. Here we go. Now they're setting a degree of moral separation. In other words, yes, we detain kids. We stuck them in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in in aluminum foil blankets, right? We detain them. But Trump's different because he just doesn't like the kids and he's separating yeah. them. They, they have, there's no real moral distinction here at all. He just signed an executive order saying they weren't going to do that. He's now trying to set the Obama administration, good. Trump, a unique stain on American history he has to go. This is what they do. It's all about the narrative. They will reset the narrative constantly. You doubt me? Let me sum it up by saying this. Two weeks ago, the narrative was that Donald Trump did this all on his own, separated kids. Then the picture started coming out. Donald Trump signs an executive order saying we are going to try to reunite kids, but there's a court case blocking us. The media is forced to cover the court case. Now they have to dial back their story that Trump did this all on his own. So now the new narrative is going to be, well, he may not have done it all on his own, but the Obama administration, we just tried harder because we're morally upstanding people and Trump is just an evil, rotten guy. This will be the new narrative. Mark my words. All right, one quick final story of the day. Bernie Sanders earns $1 million again that socialism and advocacy for socialism is getting awfully profitable in that capitalist system. Good job, Bernie. Hey. Feel the burn, baby. One million, two years in a row. Good for you, pal. Big round of applause. The last time you'll ever get it. Nice job, Bernie Sanders. One million dollars, two years in a row. Gosh, it's really getting good. Let me tell you something. If I could only advocate for socialism and make that kind of money. Hey. What, what? These guys are genius, right? Oh, man. What a hypocrite. You guys fall for this stuff? You liberals? Incredible. I put an article... Um, in the show notes about that too today. I'm going to make sure I, I put that in there, Bernie, because it's a doozy. Read that one. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes. Follow us on iHeartRadio. helps us move up the charts. We always appreciate it. Thanks so much. I'll see you all. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.